Hello, and welcome to the podcast that helps you win the race Christ has marked out for you. In our last episode, we saw how central our call to the workplace is for understanding Christ's mission for us. But it is only if we have some understanding of how sin distorts work that we can counteract its effects, salvage some of the satisfaction God intends for us to experience in our work, and stay motivated to do our secular job well. Today's episode is entitled, Overcoming the Impact of the Fall on Our Work. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 17 of Mission-Focused Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle, and today we continue our series entitled, Making a Difference for Christ in the Workplace. I want to begin with a true story of a man named Bill. Bill had just made a career move that promised him more than he had ever hoped for. Prestige, the chance to rub shoulders with notable people, a reasonable work week, and best of all, a 50% pay increase. So he was caught off guard with how empty he felt after the first month of his new job. In his own words, At the end of the day, I simply do not have the impression that I've invested myself. There's no feeling of having accomplished something worthwhile. Bill put his finger on what is one of the most fundamental urges of men, perhaps even more than security and peace, excitement and adventure. We long for a sense of productiveness in our lives, to know that we are spending ourselves doing something that matters. I believe this fundamental longing is explained by Genesis 2.15, where God places Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. In particular, the Hebrew word for work is avad, which means to cultivate, to transform one's surroundings, to impact the world around us. Men want their lives to be something more than a passing comet. Christian men want to hear, well done, from the lips of their creator and master when they get to the end of the race marked out for them. The foundation of this podcast is recognizing that if we are to hear those words, we need to stay focused on our mission. No one achieves greatness by accident. Last time we examined the unmistakable biblical truth that our vocational work matters immensely to God and is in fact a calling from him. We saw that because God himself is a worker, he created us in his image to be workers, and that serving God in our vocation is the means by which God cares for his creation. We noted that God intentionally left his creation unfinished so that we could continue to develop the potential built into the created world and shape the world and culture for God. We also saw that the very interdependence we experience with each other's vocations means mutual dependency in order to flourish. For this reason, doing our work well is a true expression of the second greatest commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Today we turn to an examination of the impact that our race's fall into sin has had upon our call to the workplace. Let's look at God's curse on Adam and Eve because of their treason. In Genesis 3, we read, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. 
And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This text tells us why the two great tasks of life, love and work, are so profoundly difficult and full of suffering. God ties the pain that now goes along with human love and marriage to the pain that accompanies our vocational work. Both childbearing and farming are called painful labor. Sin affects not only personal and private life, but also public, social, and economic life, and especially work. Work is not itself a curse. Work is a good and glorious thing that we do to image God the great worker, but work lies under the curse of sin, having become painful, frustrating, and hard after the fall. Here are three ways that sin corrupts our vocational work. First, work becomes painfully frustrating at the fall. Thorns and thistles will come up as we seek to grow food. Since gardening is a representative of all kinds of human labor, we learn that all work and culture building will be marked by resistance and opposition that frustrates our efforts to achieve our goals and decreases work's satisfaction. Tim Keller explains one aspect of this painful frustration. He writes, In all our work, we will be able to envision far more than we can accomplish, both because of a lack of ability and because of resistance in the environment around us. The experience of work will include pain, conflict, envy, and fatigue, and not all our goals will be met. For example, you may have an aspiration to do a certain kind of work and perform at a certain level of skill and quality, but you may not even get the opportunity to do the work you want. Or if you do, you may not be able to do it as well as it needs to be done. Your conflicts with others in the work environment will sap your confidence and undermine your productivity. But even during times when you are satisfied with the quality of your work, you may be bitterly disappointed with the results. You may find that circumstances conspire to neutralize any real impact from your project. You may have mastered the skills of farming, but famine or flood or war come in and destroy your harvest. You may have become an accomplished singer, but you are not able to generate an income from your talent because you are skillful in music, but not in self-promotion, or because ruthless rivals find ways of blackballing you, and so you have to give up your music career. And the damage that sin does to our work accomplishments is not all out there. Much of the damage is inside ourselves, our own sinful nature, that may cause our anger to wound those who work for us enough to quit, or our own lack of trust in God that causes us to allow our worries to lead us down fruitless rabbit trails that waste time, hurting our productivity. 
A great deal of our motivation for work comes from being successful at it. It feels good to succeed. And Ephesians 2.10 tells us that before the foundation of the world, God created us to be successful at the good works that he has shaped us to accomplish. However, the impact of the fall on our work means that often we will not be receiving the positive feedback of succeeding in our labor. Instead, obstacles in every direction impede our progress. Difficulties of all kinds thwart our efforts, and repeated failures sap our motivation. In a fallen world, the pleasure of success is often missing from our work forcing us to stay motivated in some other way. That is when we need to remember what we studied last week, that we are in the workplace because God has sent us there on his mission, the mission to care for his creation, the mission to develop the potential of his creation, the mission to love our neighbor as ourselves through vocation, doing our part through our cultural interconnectivity so that we all may flourish. As Paul commanded the Colossian Christians, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. A friend of mine recounts a discussion he had with a frustrated car mechanic trying to convince him of the importance of his calling to be a mechanic, even on difficult days. I said, at least you have a job that will make a difference in the history of the world. He didn't look at me like I was a nut. Actually, he seemed curious, so I continued. All these people bring their cars to you for service, so they have reliable transportation to go to work, where they will earn the money that pays for the groceries, car payments, rent, children's education, health care, and so much more. And then there are all the mothers who depend on you to make sure their cars work properly so they can safely drive their children to school, sporting events, and other after-school activities. The fall causes work to be so full of frustration that we cannot sustain our motivation through occasional success alone. The painful toil expended of pushing past thorns and thistles is often not rewarded by success, so we feel like giving up. The perspective required to sustain our work motivation, therefore, is the truth that Christ has called us to the workplace as a way, again, of caring for and developing his creation and as a way of loving our neighbor. The first result of the fall, then, is that our work often leads to frustrated goals rather than success. The second result of the fall is that even if it does eventually lead to some success, work is hard. We succeed only through the sweat on our face, Genesis 3.18. Sweat is the result of exertion. Because of the fall, extra effort, exertion, is now required to do the work assigned by God to Adam and his posterity before the fall. Murphy's Law is a great summary of the effect of sin on our work. If anything can go wrong, it will. The work environment, even the earth itself, remains uncooperative. The thorns and thistles of God's curse in Genesis 3 reflect the broader curse upon all of creation described by Paul in Romans 8. He writes, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it 
in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only does the curse upon the ground make work hard, since corruption impacts all of the relationships at the workplace as well, with bosses, employees, co-workers, subcontractors, customers, competitors, and so on. But these very difficulties and frustrations in the workplace make work one of the primary places where God accomplishes another fundamental part of our mission, building godly character. We are called to be like Christ. Paul tells us that all of the difficulties, pain, and hardship resulting from the fall work together to reach God's goal of conforming us to the image of Christ. In Romans 8, 28, we read, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. For every way that sin has corrupted the workplace, there is an aspect of Christ-like character to be learned. An irritating work associate is the opportunity to learn patience. Being unfairly treated is the opportunity to learn to forgive. Being falsely accused is the opportunity to entrust your cause to the one who judges justly. Being unappreciated is the opportunity to serve others with a pure heart. Having a demanding boss is the opportunity to learn faithfulness and maybe to speak the truth in love. Working with someone beside you who always puts you down provides the opportunity to learn Christ-like love. As Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Indeed, part of our marketplace calling is to show the Christ-like character that will shine as lights in the dark place of the culture. Consider what Paul said to the Philippians. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. The workplace is the place where we live out our calling to build culture. Because of the fall, it is also the place where God builds us into Christ-like men. The third way that the fall impacts work is that work can easily become an idol. The term idolatry in Scripture refers to relying upon something other than God to meet the needs of your heart and life. The power of idols is in the good feelings they promise to deliver. The truth is that work success has enormous potential to bring good feelings to us. Those of respect, significance, self-worth, identity, prestige, power, admiration, you name it. Work success may also have the power to deliver wealth, which leads to another whole host of good feelings, financial security, and the enjoyment of material things like a beautiful car or a beautiful home or enjoying the pleasures of great vacations and travel. It is easy to see why many a man might keep on working well past quitting time, serving the idol of work success and becoming a workaholic. 
Here's the best way I know to keep work from becoming an idol. Be sure you understand your mission from Christ holistically and find neither your identity nor your primary calling in your vocational work. Here's what I mean. When I set out to become a pastor, I was very worried that I would become a workaholic. I knew that the idol of success in my church planting effort would lead me to neglect my family, as many pastors have done. I knew that I had to do two things to keep me from workaholism. First, I needed to define my calling from Christ holistically, so that succeeding at my church was just a part of my mission, but so was growing in my love for Christ, loving my wife well, and discipling my children well. I wanted to define my mission so that I would focus on building a relationship with my neighbor to lead him to Christ, even if he never came to my church. My life mission statement had to be holistic. As I compiled the verses in Scripture that had to do with my mission as a Christ follower, they divided into three groups, which also corresponded with Christ's three offices of prophet, priest, and king. Christ as priest calls us to himself to enjoy a love relationship with him. As prophet, Christ empowers us to be like Christ when it comes to our character. Christ as king calls us to exercise dominion to accomplish his agenda of righteousness over every aspect of our lives, not just work. I then organized my personal organizational system at the time, my daytimer, around accomplishing the various aspects of my mission. The second way I sought to avoid workaholism was to build the habit of meeting with my commander-in-chief once a week, Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, just to stay focused on my whole mission not just Shady Grove Church. Vocational success offers so many rewards for our hearts that we must keep it balanced with the other callings in our lives. In this episode, we saw three results of the fall on our work and what to do about it. First, sin impacts our work by making it painfully frustrating. Success will never come easily. And for that reason, we need to stay motivated in our work by being totally confident that our vocation is Christ's calling to care for and develop the potential of his creation and loving our neighbor through the interdependence of doing our vocation well. Secondly, sin impacts our work by making work hard. Progress is only made by the sweat of our face. Yet these very obstacles to work success are the pathways to another success, growing in Christ-like character. Thirdly, the fall means that the wonderful calling to work can easily become an idol, generating workaholism that wreaks havoc on ourselves and our loved ones. One of the answers to the imbalance of making work ultimate is defining our mission as Christ followers holistically and then setting aside a time to meet weekly with our Commander-in-Chief to review our whole mission. For further thought, number one, how has the frustration of work been getting you down? How can rethinking that Christ's call is to the workplace add motivation? Number two, identify the two hardest things about your work. What character qualities might God be using these trials to build in you? Number three, 
How do you need to balance the truth that your call to the workplace matters greatly to Christ and the reality that your mission is far greater than your vocation? Next week, we continue the series, Making a Difference for Christ in the Workplace, looking at how to maximize your influence for Christ with your co-workers. For further information about our ministry, go to forgingbonds.org. And if this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission to honor Christ with their lives. Mm-hmm.